0: The blog pod contains language and content that some people may consider unsavory. So, if you don't like content or bad language, then the blog pod is not the place for you.
1: Not entering the blog pod.
0: everyone and this is week two of the bloke pod you're talking with gj here it's been a bit of a rough week for action and myself but rather than not post anything at all we've put together a few short snippets covering a, a variety of topics the big thing for this week is we're actually introducing something called the ipod for hell the philosophy of the ipod for hell is is quite simple and quite straightforward it's exactly what the name suggests it's The types of things that you would find on your iPod should you be banished to hell. So we put a couple of suggestions in there. We'll build on this over time. But enough talk from me. It's time to start the show.
1: JJ, as you would know, I'm an angry, angry young man at the best of times. But one thing that really gets me riled up at the moment is that bloody Foxtel ad with Andrew Huddo Hudson... ...renowned little man syndrome sufferer and worst commentator in the country... ...taking credit for Dennis Cometti's commentary of Lance Franklin's goal of the year. Now, he can't bounce it through, he kicks it through on the full! ...was one of the best moments of AFL that season. And Andrew Hudson is so incapable of coming up with a spontaneous, inspiring and motivating commentary moment... ...that they had to script and stage this thing with... ...Franklin, he couldn't do it from here, could he? It is so bloody rehearsed and unspontaneous... ...it's a fucking disgrace. And Dennis Kometty, the best commentator in the land... ...he was the one who called that moment. Now, I know the reason they've done this... ...is because Foxtel said, "Okay, Andrew Hudson's our new main commentator... ...let's go back over the archives... ...and find a great commentary moment for him from last season... ...or the season before... And they said, yeah, we've got nothing. He's done nothing good. But for him to steal that moment like that is a bloody disgrace. And I'm outraged.
0: Outraged! Can we go on about uh, Wayne Russell as well while we're at it? What a joke he is. Look,
1: he's possibly, well, yeah, I'd say the most biased commentator in, in the country today. I mean... Eddie Maguire calling the Collingwood matches is not going to be pretty, as we've seen previously on Channel 9. But Dwayne Russell, I mean, I remember the Fremantle-Richmond match last year, where Fremantle were, I think, up by six points at half-time, and Dwayne Russell treated every Richmond goal as though it was the second coming, and every Fremantle goal as though it was hoo hum But I can't get over that Hello one, though. This fucking ad, every single time I see it, it fires me up. It's like, you weren't commentating that night. It was not a Channel 10 match. It was Channel 7 all the way. So stop trying to take credit for it with this ridiculous scripted and rehearsed stage piece of commentary that anyone could tell is so unspontaneous as to just border on the ridiculous. It was Dennis Cometi commentating that night, not you.
0: Well, as DeWine Russell would say, that's
1: as good as it gets! Look, as far as I'm concerned, Ross Wyan is a traitorous swine. When a coach is in contract with one year still to run, you can't end your contract with a side which still had one year to run and replace a guy who still had one year to run on his contract. And the fact that he came out and said, I never mentioned the word loyalty to the Saints players, when the word loyalty is in their fucking crest, it's a disgrace. It's a disgrace. And frankly, you know, as much as I sort of have some sort of affiliation with Fremantle as the second West Australian team, I hope they finish 18th this season just to give Ross Lyon his comeuppance. Right, one of the subjects that I know we've been keen to make a recording on is the uh, all-time World eleven in cricket. Um, for me... It goes like this. The opening pair is Hobbs and Sutcliffe. Now, I've done this for two reasons. Um, Herbert Sutcliffe is one of only two players who never had his batting average drop below 50, and for that alone he deserves a place in the World Eleven. And I also am of the opinion that if you're going to pick an opening pair, you should pick two batsmen. So if I was going to pick Hayden, I'd pick Langer. If I was going to pick um, Greenwich, I'd pick Haynes. So in this case, because I'm going to pick Sutcliffe, I'll pick Hobbs alongside him. Now, number three is the no-brainer, of course, one DG Bradman, who selects himself in any World Eleven side who's ever picked. He's always going to get 100% of the votes. What,
0: 2020?
1: Yeah, I'd still pick him. Yep. <laughs> well, who are you going to pick ahead of him? Really? Exactly. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> At number four, uh, Sir Vivian Richards, who, you know, Adam Gilchrist's... And he are both ranked as the most destructive batsman of all time. And I think for someone to come in at number four and wreak that much havoc on the bowling lineup of the opposing team, you know, you can't put a price on that sort of wicket. At number five, this is where a bit of controversy comes in and possibly the only player who doesn't really pick himself in this side. And that's Alan Border. And he'd also be my captain. Because although you wouldn't think of it in a side like this, when your team's three for 30 odd, Who else would you want coming in at number five than Captain Grumpy? And as far as captaincy goes, whereas Don Bradman could perhaps be seen as almost someone who's too much better than his peers to be an inspirational captain, AB was always one who fought from the trenches, shoulder to shoulder alongside all his uh, fellow teammates. So he'd be my pick at number five. At number six, the greatest all-rounder of all time, and some would say the best cricketer of all time, uh, Garfield Sobers. Um, the reason they say that is, of course, because Don Bradman, although he averaged 99.94 with the bat, he wasn't a bowler. Whereas Sobers averaged nearly 60 with the bat and also averaged uh, mid 30s with the ball. So someone who could, you know, basically play four roles for you—a great fieldsman, an off-spinner, a medium pacer, and a batsman. At number seven, of course, the incomparable Adam Gilchrist, who second-fastest century of all time, only to Viv Richards and someone who basically redefined the role of keeper batsman in the modern game. We've then got 8-9 eight, nine, eight, nine and 10-11, the four bowlers. And number eight, one Shane Keith-Warne, who despite possible, um, you know, he loses something in comparison to Mattia Murulita and I would say he's the greatest legal bowler of, in the history of the game. So he would definitely be my choice as best spinner. Um, And then 9, 10, 11, I don't really rank them in order because, well, who's really going to need to rank them in order when you've got Bradman Richards, Sobers and Gilchrist coming in above them? Um, But the best fast bowler of all time, in my opinion, is one Malcolm Marshall. And I think it's one of the great tragedies that he was stolen from us so early by um, colon cancer. But he is by far, for me, the greatest test bowler of all time. Um, At number 10, I would then have DK Lilly, who basically had two careers. He had one career as a a fast, away, quick, you know, bowling as fast as the wind, and then because of his back injuries was forced to reinvent himself as a bowler, but was able to successfully do so with his slower balls and cutters and, you know, his his performance taking 11 wickets in the centenary test was one of the great all-time bowling performances. And at number 11, this is perhaps another controversy, but I'd pick Dale Stain, who's... Performances with the second best strike rate of all time for those who have taken more than 200 wickets, second only to Clary Grimmett, has clearly shown that he is just a strike bowler and he takes wickets, uh, you know, when all other bowlers fail to be taking wickets, he comes through and is able to be that strike bowler and pick up wickets for South Africa. And he is one of the main reasons that, well, if they win this, um, upcoming series against New Zealand, they'll be the, if they win at 3-0, they'll be the world number one team. I think he's one of the main reasons behind that. And, yeah, he'd be my pick at number 11. So that's my world 11. How about it. Let the debate begin.
0: <laughs> There's a phrase that seems to be entering the lexicon these days of the professional athlete, which focuses all around managing their brand. Now, let me give the professional athlete a few tips on things like this. Going on national TV... And telling your hometown that you don't want to play for them anymore. You want to go play somewhere else. That's not about managing your brand. That's actually about destroying your brand. Telling the same town after you've left them 18 months earlier. That hey, I actually wouldn't mind playing with you guys again. That's not helping your brand either. With respect to the town that you left. Or the town that currently calls you home. Trying to get a a tape of you getting dunked on by somebody else. That's not managing your brand either. Well... If you manage to do it successfully, you may be able to protect your brand to a certain extent, but to be honest, who cares? You ain't going to do yourself more harm than good by trying to stir up trouble with doing stuff like this. Yes, LeBron James, I'm talking to you. You want to be a global icon. You want to call yourself King James and all of these things, and the rewards that go with being successful. Let me give you a tip. It's actually probably a good idea to be successful first. And I'm not talking about those MVPs. I'm talking about winning championships, You've been in the league for eight years now, nearly nine years. You've come up short twice when it's mattered most. So instead of spending your time worrying about getting people to like you, how about just taking care of business on the court once and for all? Because at the end of the day, you're a professional athlete. You're paid to win.
1: The one song I would never want to hear on my eye is that Fucking dilemma song with Kelly Rowland. And for me, it's not so much the fact that rap is not real music, it's just talking over sound. It's the fact that every like second beat of each bar there's the Oh 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 I cannot stand that shit. Just fucking end it already.
0: <laughs> Another song that I certainly would have to contribute to the iPod from Hell is When's wake me up before you go-go. I mean, you put the boom-boom into my heart. <laughs> Seriously, man. What's that all about? I do want to give
1: give credit to Chris Griffin for doing a great, great version of that on Family Guy. Uh but There's yeah, such a I, thing? That, 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 that's the only thing I had going for it, yeah. I'll There's give you that much.
0: Yeah. I mean, yeah. the other thing that annoys me is, is that you go to any 21st, you go to any wedding, you go that... This is the DJ go-to song to try and get as many drunken girls onto the dance floor as possible. Now, I'm not, I'm not yeah, necessarily, I pick up, though. I'm, I'm, not, just, I'm not necessarily <laughs> having a guy at drunken girls in general because, hell, you know, I wouldn't have a sex wife if I could <laughs> But, seriously, man, there's better songs to play than Wake Me Up Before You Go Go." Summer of 69, come on, <laughs> give that a spin first. Standing on your mother's porch, <laughs> as my dad <gay laughs> likes to say. He's like, why the hell would you want to stand on a porch? Well, yeah, I don't know. You can't you. Put it, all put it. Line. I just can't, <laughs> in, all, in all seriousness, if Brian Adams, you weren't standing on your, her mother's porch, I'm not surprised <laughs> that you got dumped. Let's just put it that way.
1: Yeah, punter was punted from the team this week, but I believe... He should have been given a farewell match at his home ground in Hobart. As difficult as it is to give him that, when the fact is, one could argue that he had his farewell match in the World Cup final, and he hit a century in that match to prolong his career. The fact is, I think our best batsman since Bradman and our greatest one-day batsman of all time deserves better treatment than that. Well, there's been talk that the selectors actually gave him that option and he turned him down. Are you
0: serious, Jeez, I read that somewhere yeah
1: well i mean yeah the the one thing you have to respect about Ricky as as Christian Ryan wrote in his blog this week, Ricky Ponting is one who would have accepted the umpire's decision straight. No fluff, just facts, I believe they said, quoting um Billy Bean from the film Moneyball I know g j will love that reference, but um I believe that he would have accepted the selector's decision on face value and not questioned them. So the fact is, having made 5 single simple-figure scores in a row, arguably one of the worst uh, one-day international runs of all time of any established uh, top-order batsman, he knew it was time to go. So, you know, it's difficult to make a case for him to have stayed in the side, even if you do say he deserved a farewell match. I know
0: there's a lot of people out there who are basically predicting that Greater Western Sydney has a mortgage on, but in the future that Greater Western Sydney will have a mortgage on three to five premierships and that they're potentially going to be competing with Gold Coast for those premierships. I'm not one of these people who likes to go with common convention. And as a consequence of this, I'm actually going to go the other way. I mean, they'll certainly have some success, but I doubt that they'll have the complete and utter dominance that people are expecting. And you might think that that's crazy, but I have two reasons why I see this happening. The first one being the institution of free agency. It's one thing to have a, a hit at talent and to, to be able to acquire as much talent as Greater Western Sydney have, and the Gold Coast have too, for that matter. The challenge that they're going to have is keeping all of these guys happy. And, you know, the funny thing about sport is that it's inevitably a great level up. These clubs have gone into to some of these other clubs and rated talent. Don't think for a second that the opposite isn't going to happen, that come the time for these kids to be lining up and free agency to to break, which it does do at the end of the year, that the Adelaides of the world, that the Collingwoods of the world, that the West Coast Eagles of the world for that extent as well aren't going to be sitting there and lining up looking to raid their talent. Keeping them happy is one thing. Keeping them under the salary cap will also be another. The second reason why I actually don't believe that they will have the sustained level of success that everybody is predicting is we're talking about talent, and talent in itself is incredibly hard to predict. Uh, and I guess to illustrate that point, I'm going to read out 24 names. Bryce Gibbs, Scott Gumbleton, Lockie Hansen, Matt Lewenberger, Travis Boat, Mitchell Thorpe, Joel Selwood, Ben Reed, David Armitage, Nathan Brown, Andreas Everett, James Frawley, Jack Rewalt, James Seller. Daniel O'Keefe, Mitch Brown, Sean Hampson, Sean Gregg, Gavin Urquhart, Albert Proud, Paul Stewart, Nathan Jaquera and Shane Edwards. Now what all of those names have in common is if Greater Western Sydney was doing the draft and having the concessions with regards to talent that they had in 2006, so that would have been their list. You sit there and you have a look at that name by name. There's probably really only one elite player in that list at this stage or someone who is nearing that elite stage, that being Joel Selwood, of course. We have Ben Reid, we have James and we have Jack Rewal, who have been All-Australians. We have Bryce Gibson, we have Matthew Luenberger, who have had great seasons last year. We've had Travis Boak, who had a good season two years ago. But outside of that, There's no names that really jump out at you so much. And I guess that this proves my point, that the future itself can be somewhat unpredictable. Interestingly, you look at some of these picks Three guys, Scott Gumbleton and both the Brown boys They've had a pretty wretched run with injury, you, you have to say But furthering on from that Pick six, Mitchell Thorpe's been delisted by Hawthorne Admittedly, he had a lot of injuries too But he never really made the grade Daniel O'Keefe has been delisted by Sydney since then And Albert Proud's also been delisted by Brisbane On top of that, we've had James Seller be delisted by Adelaide But since picked up by Melbourne Gavin Urka delisted and then listed by North Melbourne, and Andreas Everett, Nathan Jekera, Sean Grigg all end up at new clubs. So if you are keeping count at home, we've ruled out essentially three guys who have had a ravaged run with injury. We've had three guys who have been delisted and we've had another four guys at new clubs. So of a list of 24, we've actually had 10 guys who in essence weren't really playing during that time period. So are the names that I read out the names of a team that sounds like it could win a premiership this year? Because five years forward, this is what we're talking about. I don't quite see it myself, but, you know, that's just me. Admittedly, though, we'll get a chance to top up with some relatively low-end picks, you would think, in upcoming years as well. Thinking about that list, they may add one or two quality players into that mix somewhere along the way. But I think that the beauty of the future and the beauty of sport is that it's relatively uncertain. And as a consequence of that, I don't think that there's any guarantee that Greater Western Sydney will be truly successful in the medium to long term. Anyhow, that wraps up this week's short snippet of the bloke pod. So until next time... Keep your eyes on the road and your hands upon the wheel. See you later. Now leaving the vlog pod.